we are starting a brand new series about God's Word, which I'm really excited about. And um, yes, oh, I'm just going to reiterate it. If you're not part of a view group, this is a great, great time to join a view group because we're going to be doing um, like basically a devotional together, 40 days. Um, you saw it on the church news. You can download it on your Version Bible app. And we're going to be doing the study together. And it's, you know, as a church, we're all doing it, but it's even better if you're in a circle and I know we say the same thing every week, and it's not because we don't have other things to say. It's because we really believe it, that when you get into a circle of you group, you're really going to grow. So even when you're, things are coming out of your mouth, when you're talking to other people, as you're helping other people, you're actually helping yourself. And so it, it is really, really powerful. You've got your next step card in the seat um, in front of you. You can fill it out. If you want to join a view group, we will find one that suits you in your area. But it's going to be super, super beneficial. We're going to get into the Word now. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 7, verse 1. This is the faith of the centurion. Here we go. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he's built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that were following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. When the men who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Now, this is a really powerful story, and there's lots of things we can say about it. But what I want to point out first is that the centurion, who was a Roman soldier, he understood the power of authority really, really well. Okay, we're going to dig into that. But when I was a little girl, I understood the power of authority. Even at the age of five or six, I had an understanding of what it meant. And we, we all actually do. So I have an older brother, but he's only a year older. So we were almost like twins. And, you know, if I was doing something out of line, he would be like, oh, Leanne, stop it. And I would say, Derek, take a hike. You know, one of my favorite lines was, you're not the boss of me. Anyone else say that to their siblings? You're not the boss of me, hey? And, um, and so, yeah, and look, often, I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit out of line, and my mother would then get involved and go, Leanne, stop it. She could say the exact same thing that my big brother said, but guess what my response was when it came from my mom? Very different. Okay, I wasn't going to dare tell my mother to take a hike. I didn't have a death wish. I knew that she had the authority over me. She was an authority figure in my life. So I listened. <laughs> I knew it was good for me. I said, yes, mom. And I stopped. 
because she had the authority. She had the authority to ground me. She had the authority to punish me in other ways. She had the authority to make my life very difficult. So I obeyed. Are you with me? So I understood authority, not as well as the centurion. If you go and look at this, right, he's a Roman soldier. He's in the army. Not only does he have authority over him, so he had people over him, and if they told him to jump, he had to say, how high, sir? Okay? But he also was a man who had people that were under his authority. And he says, he says if I tell my soldiers, come, they come. If I say go, they go. If I say do this, they do it. And he's going, I don't even have to be there. If I just send the message, they follow through. He's going, Jesus, I get it. You don't even have to come. If you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Because the word of Jesus carries ultimate authority. Are you guys with me this morning? We're talking about the authority of God's word as we kick off this series. Because We need to get that right before we get into the Bible. We need to understand that it is the ultimate authority over all things in heaven and on earth. Jesus' word, God's word, has the ultimate authority. And this is God's word, the Holy Bible, which we're going to be studying for for the next month. This is the ultimate authority. Now, I'm going to be honest, I meant to bring my study Bible with me today, but I forgot it at home. It's big and it's heavy, but I love it. Okay, I've had it since I was about 15. It's one of those big Bibles, those hardcover Bibles, but it is highlighted, it's written in, it's, it's very well used, which I am proud of, not in a, like, you know, I'm going, you, you should, your Bible should be highlighted and written in. But I'm also going to be totally honest with you guys. Even writing this message, I was like a little bit convicted. I, I need to pull that Bible out a bit more. I'm not backsliding. Some of you are looking very judgy at me right now. We all have a little device these days that we use. I use my, my version app a lot. And there's nothing wrong with that. Please, I think technology is amazing. We're encouraging you to do a devotional on the version. So please, I'm not against it at all. But even just getting ready for this message. I, I don't think we use our paper Bibles as much as we should these days, hey? Because it's so easy to just look it up on our phones. We've got the Bible app. It's, I mean, geez, you know how much easier it is prepping a sermon these days? Like, if I need a verse, I can just Google it. Boom, there it is on my iPad, on my phone. It's so easy. Do you guys remember the days when you wanted to write a message or, or find a topic, say you wanted something on faith, you had to take out your big Bible and go to the back where the index was, and you, and you look for the F, okay, faith, okay, and there's like a hundred different places where faith appears in the Bible, and then you turn and you look, oh, not, not, not that verse, and you go back, and just me? But you know what? On that whole journey, I would come across so many extra verses where God would speak to me and God would use me. And, and now it's very easy. I just Google it and boom, there's the verse. And a part of me is like, flip, I miss the good old days. Hey? So I'm going to be pulling out my, 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 my study Bible as I do this version app because I think it's, it's, it's powerful. I want you guys to realize this is called the Holy Bible. This is a very modern looking version, but this is the Holy Bible. And if we just look at what it actually means, Bible is the word for book, and holy means set apart or ordained by God. 
So this book is the holy, set-apart, ordained book of God. And it's powerful. And we need to stand, understand the authority that it carries. The ultimate authority on heaven and in earth. When I was um, prepping this message, I also had a, a, just a good giggle. I don't know, it, you know, you know you've been in church for a long time. You, and I don't know how this would go down next door, but um, in kids' church, when I, back in the day, we used to arrive at kids' church, and my favorite game, me being quite competitive, my favorite, it was one of my favorite games, because it was something you could win, was they would say, okay, everybody, open your Bibles to John 3, verse 16, and the first one to get it wins a prize, and we would all go, shh, 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 you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then I would jump up, got it, for God so loved the world, yeah, I win, you know, I'd get super excited. But I just, I, I was just thinking, if we were to play this game right now, we'd all start Googling, eh? Because it's quick and easy. And it might be a bit more tricky for us to find the verses in 2022, eh? But we're going to get better at it this month. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. there we go. But Psalm 119 is actually the longest book in the Bible. Did you guys know that? And this is what's super ironic about Psalm 119. It's the longest book in the Bible, and guess what it's about? It's all about the Bible. It's all about God's Word. But God is clearly trying to give us a message that His Word is important. Because God, you know, he's, he's, He doesn't have verbal diarrhea like I can have. You know, He says it's, it's better to, to, to say less than more. So when God spends... 176 verses on his word, he's trying to say, it's important. Okay? He doesn't waste his words. He's going, this is important. My word is important. It's a priority. And right in the middle of Psalm 119, this is what it says. It's verse 97 to 98. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me, and they make me wiser than my enemies. And that is my first point I want to make about the authority of God's word. If we're going to live it out, point number one, we need to love the word of God. Now, I spoke to you guys about my big study Bible. I got it at about age 15, and like I say, I've still got the same one, and I treasure it. Uh, study Bibles are so helpful because you have all the commentaries and it, it really makes the Bible come alive. And I grew up with such a respect and love for my Bible. So it was always next to my bed, always. And I would read it every morning. And if somebody put a teacup on it, I would like freak out. Like, don't put that on my Bible. You know, that's my Bible. Like, it's not a, a cup holder. It's my Bible. Have some respect, you know? I'd like tune my friends or my sister. She was like, oh, you're being so religious. And I'm not trying to make you religious, but I'm trying to say I love my Bible. Okay, I treasure my Bible. And what do you do for things that you love? What do you do for people that you love? You protect them, right? You fight for them. Let's, let's try and make it more real. So maybe the person you love the most in your life is a parent. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're a, a mom or a dad and it's your children. I've got two little girls and I'm very protective of my girls. 
Like, if you mess with my girls, you mess with me. Like, I take it personally. They're my girls. I love them. And they are netball players. They love netball. So I've become like a total netball mom, which is cool because I love netball. But uh, my youngest daughter, she's only eight, and um, she's, she's pretty short, okay? So the, the older one's tall and the little one's short, but she's feisty, you know? She's that real, like, dynamite comes in small packages. She's feisty as heck, but, but she's little. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching her play netball. Now, the funny thing about Zara is that if you look at her, you wouldn't think I'm her mom. Because firstly, she's short, and I'm not short. And then she's got this beautiful olive skin, which I prayed she would get from her dad. So she's got this beautiful olive skin and this dark hair. So she doesn't, and I'm tall and blonde and pale, okay? So there's actually a, a girl on her team who's tall and blonde, and they always go, oh, is that your daughter? And I'm like, no, 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 the little, the little tanned one is mine. <laughs> and they're like, oh. So, so I'm standing close to where she's playing in the netball game. She's an attacker. And she has this very, very tall defender on top of her. And I'm like, that's cool. Zara can hold her own. She's tough. And I soon realized I'm standing next to the defender's mom, okay, who clearly does not realize that that's my child. And as the game's going, I hear her start to yell in Afrikaans, push her, push her. And I'm like, that's my child. You're telling your child to push. Your child's double her size. Like, this is a non-contact sport. You know, like, I'm just all going through my head. Firstly, I was a bit confused because my Afrikaans is not that good. So I thought she was saying stortar, like shower her. I'm like, what? <laughs> Andrea's like, she's saying stortar. She's saying push her. Then I'm like, you know, like, so, okay, listen, my Afrikaans is getting better. I'm, I'm getting better. I, I was born in Evans. So give me a chance. Okay. I'm getting better. And um, so there's, there's this mom going, Stuotar, Stuotar. And the child obeys, and Zara goes flying onto the tar. And I'm like, oh, that's my child. And, okay, Leanne, calm down, calm down. Second time she pushes her, Zara hits the floor again. And they don't really blow for contact in the younger grades. The third time she pushes her, I'm like, that's it. That is it. I'm not going to tell you guys what happened next, because I want you to respect me. <laughs> for the rest of the sermon. But I'm just going to say, you mess with my child, you mess with me. Okay, but I'm not banned from the netball court, so it wasn't that bad. That's all I'm going to say. But you guys get the point, right? When you love something, you want to protect it. You defend it. You stand up for it. We need to love God's word. Now, I'm not saying that you have to tell someone not to put their teacup on it, but you, you need to love it. This is, this is God's love letter to you. This is God's love letter to humanity. And when you're going through a rough time and you're feeling fearful, you open up his love letter and he tells you, do not fear. I'm holding you by your right hand. When you go through the waters, you will not drown. You're going to be okay. When you are feeling completely overwhelmed and weak, you open up the love letter and he says, hey, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in your weakness. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And this, this has to be the thing that we hang on to and we fight for and we go, this is the ultimate authority in my life. Not what the news says. That is not the ultimate authority. This is the ultimate authority. Not what social media says. This is the ultimate authority. Not what... Um, popular culture is saying, oh my gosh, if we followed popular culture, we would be so confused because it changes its mind every year. Hey, 
Like, it's terrifying. But this is the authority. This is the true north. This is what we hang on to. I'm actually glad I didn't bring my study Bible because I can't pick it up with one hand. Now I'm just showing off, eh? It's a really big one. My mom bought it for me. She clearly thought I needed lots and lots of God's word. But I'm glad that she bought it. Like I said, I've had it for, I'm not going to give away my age, since I was 15, a long, long time. But this must carry the weight in our lives. The second point I want to make about God's authority is that we need to learn the word of God. If we're going to let it be the final and ultimate authority, we have to learn it. Matthew 4 verse 4, it goes like this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, if Jesus hadn't learned the word of God, he couldn't tell anyone what was written. Some of us don't know what is written, so we actually have no idea what we can hang on to, or what we can speak over our lives, because we actually don't know. This book is full of promises. The Bible says if you're a Christian, these promises are yours to claim. But if you don't know them, you can't use them. So one of the biggest ways to get us off track is to distract us. And listen here, I can get super distracted. I always joke I'm like Dory, you know, like something sparkly, you know, I will get distracted. But we can't take our eyes off God's word. That's why quiet times are so important. And that's why I am so excited about this 40 days. Because in 40 days, you can learn a whole new habit, right? Where every morning you get up and you go, Jesus is first. Remember, he doesn't take second place. So he gets the first part of my morning and I get into his word. And I learn it. It gets written on my heart. The rest of this verse I thought was, you know, God saying, you can't live on bread alone. I'm like, amen. He wants to live on bread alone. I mean, you're going to get pretty sick if you try to live on bread alone, right? You need some fiber. Come on. For your digestive system, you need some protein to build some muscles. You need some vegetables for your immune system. No one can live on bread alone. This is all the good stuff. This is the protein. This is the, the vegetables. This is what's going to make you spiritually strong. You've got to get into the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The first thing I want to point out is all scripture is God breathed. It's the word of God. Guys, this was not written by 40 different authors. Okay? There's one author. That's God. It's not written by 40 people that were inspired or had a dream. It's not written by 40 people that were close to God. This is God's word. Yes, he used man as the tool, but it's God's word. And if we don't believe that then there's a lot that's going to be open to negotiation. It's non-negotiable. This is God's word. He is the author. Amen? And then, I love this part, all of God's word is to help us to be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Who likes to start their day thoroughly equipped? I, I do. I like to be equipped. That's why I know if I don't have a quiet time, I'm going to be a disaster. I need to get into God's word. I need to. 
My personality, I, I, I'm that person. I needed to be thoroughly equipped before I went into an exam. That's just who I am. So matric exams, med school, I was that girl who had the book, you know, in the car, studying, 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 and then, you know, outside, my friends would go, just put it away. If you don't know it now, you'll never know it. I was like, shh, I'm studying. And I would literally, I would be the last person into the exam room. I would put my book away when I absolutely had to, when I had to walk inside, because I wanted to be thoroughly equipped. I think the most um, yeah, traumatic exam I ever did in my life was in grade nine. It was my home economics exam. It was also the last time I ever did a home economics exam because I dropped that subject like a hot potato after that exam. I am not good in the kitchen, okay? I admit it. I have other talents, and um, in grade nine, geez, so I thought I was equipped. I thought we were going to bake a cake for the freaking exam. So I had gone through all my steps, because that's my personality. I want to be thoroughly equipped. So this is what I do, da-da-da-da-da. I can do this. I've got this. I can bake a cake. I get to the exam, and we have to, okay, the toast part was easy. We had to <laughs> make a piece of toast with this, like, cream cheese sauce. Okay, now I was not equipped for that. And I'm going through the ingredients, and I'm, they're telling me to do stuff with instruments. I don't even know what they are. You'd think I was like in a physics lab. I probably would have been more comfortable in a physics lab, but I'm like, what the freak is this? Like, how do you do this? Like, it was a nightmare. I was like sweating. I really was sweating. And when it came out, oh, I mean, I don't think the teacher even dared to taste it. It was actually like an eggy, flowery mess. And I was like, that's it for me and home economics. Probably the worst grade I ever got. And I still stay away from the kitchen to this day. I blame it on grade nine home economics. I say it's PTSD. Andre says I must face my fears and get back in the kitchen. I say I'm okay with staying out. Yeah. It, jokes aside, I'm still not the, sh I'm not the chef in the family. But um, yeah, we all got to play to our strengths, eh? But I will never forget that feeling of being so ill-equipped. I'm like, how did I get this wrong? How did I not study this? I don't know how to do this. That feeling is terrible. I don't want to wake up ever and not feel equipped. And we don't have to. Because if we read the Bible, this is not just a book. This is God's word. He's breathed into it. He will fill us. He will equip us. Andre always says, when we read the Bible, the Bible actually reads us. And, and God almost goes, this is where you're at. This is what's coming up. And you, don't ac you, you accidentally on purpose end up reading what you meant to read. And God sets you up for the day. He equips you. That's what he says in 2 Timothy. We just read it. He will make us thoroughly equipped for every good work. Matthew 7 verse 24 says, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who has built his house on the rock. We were singing about how God is our firm foundation. And how do we make him our firm foundation? We get into his word. We hear his words and put them into practice. That's how we build a solid marriage. That's how we become solid parents. That's how we build a solid career. By reading God's word, learning God's word, and putting it into practice. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a paper, paper Bible, buy one over the next 40 days. You're probably going to have to drive to Canal Walk. But buy yourself a really cool study Bible. You won't regret it. 
And then, of course, you must use your Uversion app and your study Bible, because I think putting the two together, I'm not against the, the Uversion. I love it. It's an amazing tool. We're telling you guys to use it for 40 days. But there's something so powerful about having your own Bible that you can write on and highlight and really get the Word into you. My third point about understanding the authority of God is that we need to live the Word of God. Okay, so you guys have got that. Love the Word of God, learn the Word of God, and live the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I love the thought of hiding God's word in my heart. And I like to think that over the years of being a Christian, I have hidden God's word in my heart. But it took time. We spoke about it in point two. I had to learn the Word of God first. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, in my toughest seasons, I would write down God's promises to me. I would stick them in my mirror. I would stick them in my car. I had them in my scrubs pocket in the hospital. And I would pull it out when I needed to. And I would read it over and over and over until it was stuck, until it was hidden in my heart, until I had that peace. I knew His promises. It takes time and it takes effort, but it's so worth it. Get God's Word hidden in your heart so you can live it out. And once we've got it in our hearts, we use it as a weapon. Ephesians 6 is all about the armor of God. And you know, it can sound super spiritual and weird, like wake up every morning and put on the armor of God. What does that even mean? It's not weird. It's just about waking up and praying a prayer, going, you can go and look it up in Ephesians 6. I'm going to put the shoes of readiness on, the belt of truth, take up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, and the helmet of salvation. You just pray it over yourself every morning. And the Bible says, do it so that when the enemy attacks, you can be strong. One thing that's so important about that verse is that we need to understand that we are in a battle. I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but we are. We're in a spiritual battle every day. If you think you're not in a battle, you're a sitting duck. Okay, you are in a battle. Remember, we are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. Then we're going to die and live as a spiritual being forever. Right? Our spirits are never going to die. They're going to live on. You guys with me? We are way more spiritual than we are physical. We're in a spiritual battle. Put on the armor of God, please. The sword of the Spirit is referring to God's Word. It's saying every day, go, I'm going to use God's Word as a weapon. I'm going to live out God's Word. This is your weapon. It's your sword. You have to realize that every other part of the armor of God is defensive. But God's Word is offensive. Hey, you attack with the sword, don't you? You take ground. You move forward with the sword. With a shield, you're defending yourself. With the helmet, you're protecting your head. But with the sword, you are taking ground. You are advancing. Now, like I said, I am a Nepal mom. So we have a saying in Nepal, strike first, strike hard. Or attack first, attack hard. If you're playing a Nepal game and your defenders have the ball the whole time, that's not good news, right? You should be attacking on the front foot. In our spiritual lives, we need to be attacking. We need to be on the front foot. We can't always be defending, oh, just trying to keep our heads above water. 
And this is what helps us attack God's Word, His promises. Come on, church, we need to know them. We need to be claiming them. I love my girls to bits. And one of the things I hate the most is when people say to me, Ugh, I'm so worried about their futures. The world is such a bad place. What's going to happen to them? In my head, I literally go, I bind that in Jesus' name. I'm like, I refuse to accept that. Don't speak that over my children's lives. Don't. The other, well, it was actually about three years ago, just before COVID. I'm pushing my kids in the trolley in shop rides, and an old school friend sees me and she's like, You got kids? I'm like, Yeah. Like, my pride and joy. She's like, I'm not having kids. The world's such a sick place. Blah, 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 blah. Literally, I'm going, I bind that in Jesus' name. Like, she's just, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Uh, don't get me wrong. I understand that they have challenges that we didn't have, like with social media, the internet, phones. Yes, I get it. It's, 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 new, um, it's new territory and it's scary and it's harder for them. But, but this is the final authority over my girls' lives. And this says that God has plans to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. They have a good future. This says that they were born for such a time as this. They weren't meant to be born 30 years ago. They were meant to be born now. And this says that God has good plans for them, that He's got them by the right hand, that He has got, that He is going to take everything and use it for their good because they are His daughters. So this is the only thing you can speak over my girls' lives. And when I was pregnant with them, He gave me a verse that they will flourish spiritually like watered grass, like willows on a riverbed. So this is what I speak over them. This is the authority. Do you know why this is so powerful? Because Psalm 103 verse 20 says this, Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who hearken to His Word or who obey His Word. When you speak the Word of God, the angels have to obey. That is powerful. When you quote quote Scripture, sorry, tongue-tied there. When you quote Scripture, the whole of heaven is fighting for you, the angels. Do you know how powerful that is? When I'm speaking promises over my daughters, I'm releasing angels who have to obey. They have to bless them. They have to protect them. They have to do what God's promised in His Word. It is a powerful, powerful weapon. If we leave this line, they're collecting dust. We are fools, aren't we? The angels have to obey what's written in God's Word. Psalm 119 Verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, you know, I love to tell stories, but we've all been through load shedding, so nobody needs any stories about light, right? We all know how powerful light is. We know how valuable light is, right? If you've got a lamp, you are a lucky person in load shedding because a lamp gives us direction. It gives us safety. It gives us protection. It gives us security. Lamps are valuable. Light is valuable. This is valuable. This is a lamp unto your feet. That's what we need it every day. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. 
because I really believe this is gonna be a significant month for us as a church, as we get into God's Word. And I wanna pray over us as a church family that God does something so huge in us and unlocks such a love for His Word. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship Him. We're gonna thank Him for what He's gonna do in our lives. I'm gonna ask you if you're comfortable to raise your hand. It's nothing weird, it's a sign of surrender as I pray over us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we wanna thank you for your word. It is a lamp into our feet. It is our absolute authority. And God, over this next month, I pray that your word will transform us and we will fall in love with it, that we will hide it in our hearts and that you will do something amazing through us in this season. We love your word. Church, just while we stay in an attitude of worship, if you are here this morning and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you were, but you know that you, you need to recommit your life to Him, I would be giving you the greatest disservice if I didn't give you an opportunity to commit your life to Him this morning. Because this is a love letter to you as much as it's a love letter to everybody else in this church. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You weren't meant to do life alone. You're meant to do it in relationship with the God who adores you. So if you're not in a relationship with every head bowed out of respect, I just want to pray for you. And I'm going to count to three and ask you to boldly stick your hand up and say, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can stick your hand up boldly if you want to give your life to Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. That is awesome. Anybody else, best decision you will ever make. Just stick it up boldly. I see. There we go. I see that hand. That's awesome. Just stick it up boldly so I can see it. Then you can take it down. This is a love letter for you too. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's awesome. It's a love letter to you. There's a God that loves you. Anybody else? I don't want this moment to pass. Best decision you could ever make. Just stick it up so I can see it. Okay, that's awesome. Come on, we're going to pray as a church family. Is that good? Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life. I want to walk with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And I want to live out your plan for my life. Thank you, Jesus, that your word says that I'm saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Okay, let's give God some praise. Come on, the Bible says the whole of heaven has a party. I love it when one person gives their life to God. That's awesome. And I want to encourage you, if you put your hand up, Andre always says it, my wise husband, he says, if you hit a home run, don't run to first base, run all the bases. So join a few group, get into a circle, go and speak to someone, don't do this journey alone. I wanna remind you guys about the uh, next step cards if you wanna join a view group. And also if you've got a prayer request, don't wake up on Monday going, what's gonna happen? Wake up going, my church is praying for me. Have an amazing day. And remember, Lucanio is preaching tonight, so you can double dip. It's gonna be awesome. Cheers, guys.